Welcome to our book club. Let's do it. We did the thing. We read Ninth Street Women. <laughs> um, we did. A majority of it. <laughs> majority of Ninth Street Women. I also read part of Ninth Street Women. I'm, um, you know, I've read this. This is my second read through of Ninth Street Women. And I started halfway through because we were like, Nomad's going to read the first half and I'll read the second half. And I think I got um, 20 hours into this. And then maybe less than 20, more like 15 hours into it and still haven't finished the book, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know if I'll yeah. ever finish this book. It's it's a behemoth. It is um, 900 plus physical pages. And then it's um, 1800 digital pages. And it's um, it's a lot. There's a lot mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. I know. Holy moly. It's, it's I know. a big book. I want you to know that this is Nomad's idea for this book, not mine. So... Mm -hmm. Good job. Yes. <laughs> I think you set it's both fantastic. records. You set both records for the smallest book we've ever written, read, and the largest one that we've ever read now. <laughs> I mean, back back. it's me. Like, do you expect anything different? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Rick says, I can barely read books with 200 pages and also pictures. Well, Same, you know, Rick. Yeah. Same. Yeah. This is why it's an art book club. <laughs> we like art pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so nine street women it's a book it's a biography about five women artists around the 1950s but also shorter biographies about literally everyone around them it's mm -hmm. it's a really really in-depth book about the lives of these women which were lee krasner elaine de kooning grace hardigan uh jody mitchell and uh helen um um, Frank, wait, oh my gosh, how do you say her last name? Helen Frankenthaler. Thank you. <laughs> and Helen Frankenthaler. And um, it goes throughout their lives, not starting from young childhood. Usually it starts from like when they started making art and then to like the rest of their life. And right. it's, uh, you know, normally when I pick out art books, I want books that are like really, really about the process of making art. And this, this book does go into it, but it's more about the drama, I think, <laughs> and like the like rumors and the gossip around their lives. And it's a delight. <laughs> it's a delight. <laughs> How'd you feel about this True. book? Did you like it? I loved this book. I think partially because I think this group does have so much like drama and stigma around them because they were so important in art culture and are still very important in art culture in the world today. Um, you know, almost a hundred years later, which is insane to me, you know, because right. honestly it started back in the twenties and it kind of ramped its way up as, you know, world war two hit and everything. And a lot of people might are immigrated and that kind of thing. So yeah, just to hear, I think it, what was amazing about it is it, it gives you a snapshot of the environment that they worked and lived in every day. And I don't think that's something that we the good grasp on today. Um, it's more of like, oh, let's look at your studio. But they were so much more than that. Like they were they were the sum of the parts, you know, their upbringing, their convictions, the people they encountered, um, just life in general, their struggles, everything, you know, and it bled into their work. And that's what made their work great. 
um, was they were so diverse group of people that came together. So. Yeah. What I what I like about this book is that these five women that they go through, they weren't all friends. Some of them were actually pretty great rivals. And um, sometimes they liked each other and sometimes they didn't speak for years and years. Um, but they were all intertwined into making abstract and expressionistic art. Like a really, they were, they were very much trendsetters and they don't get talked about a lot. In fact, the first time I read Nice Street with Women, um, my art history hmm. education was so small that I didn't realize that Elaine de Kooning um, was like, when I ever heard the name de Kooning, I always thought of William because I thought that was the only one. I didn't even know Elaine de Kooning was a person <laughs> who made amazing artwork. Like that's, that's insane, right? Like I make abstract art. I should know her, but yeah, that was, that was about four years ago when I first discovered that, but I was like, Oh snap. Cool. You're here. This is great. <laughs> I had heard of Elaine. I couldn't, I didn't have a picture in my mind of mm -hmm. her work. Um, Lee Krasner, I think, is the only one of them that I really had known about. And I didn't have an image of her work either in my head. Um, Pollock is such an overarching person and just... And she pushed for that. Yeah. Um, she created that juggernaut that is Jackson Pollock, you know. So to some extent, she was so good that she put herself in obscurity somehow <laughs> not wanting to but she did um because she she believed in him she believed so much in his work and i feel so, like yeah. an alternate title for this book for me would be um this is why i hate jackson pollock <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like reading about him <laughs> through this book i'm just like yeah. he's the worst <laughs> well and, and she loved you know, him so much <laughs> Here's the thing. I came into this kind of with that mindset. Mm. Um, taking aim at Pollock. And I have grown more sympathetic to him over reading this book. Okay. All right. Um, oddly enough. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> kind um, of went opposite direction. Not that he's a great person. That, you know, um, he, he did anything to better her career. Um, short of moving to spring, which was probably the best thing they ever did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, talk about the point where he, they said, you know, he was so remorseful that he, he got sober, you know, and he was sober for a solid two years and really thought he was legitimately going to, you know, work through it, you know, that he was on his way to, you know, figuring out, hey, there's something beyond this. Like, I understand I have social anxiety, but drinking is not bringing me anything good. Mm -hmm. Every time I drink, I end up in the drunk tank and Lee has to come get me. <laughs> and it never ends well. And we're trying to create publicity and this is not the publicity. Like, maybe this is where the phrase all publicity is good publicity came from. Maybe. Because... <laughs> He had plenty of bad publicity. <laughs> he sure did. He he was also one of the oh, first man. major abstract artists. They talk about this in the book that um, truly became famous and had to feel what it meant mm -hmm. to be very public. And I think that mm -hmm. I can, I can feel some compassion oh. there. That seems like 
you know, it's everything you wanted, but also, holy cats, <laughs> this is right. way more than you ever thought it would be. Um, yeah, yeah. Because they talked about him out of both sides of their mouth. Like, mm-hmm. life did this article on him and, you know, praised him for this amazing, you know, hardworking artist and made it this thing of, like, it was a respectable position for anybody to have. And then in the same breath, they turned around when McCarthy came through and just derided not only him, but the whole group. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you're obscure, whatever. You know, they didn't want to look at him. And to, I think you really start to see that they're not so different now than they were back then. Yeah. They still had media. They tried to jockey for positions so they could sell stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. It, it doesn't change. It's sad, but it doesn't change. <laughs> I feel like something that has changed is the um, what this book really does. I feel like it kind of romanticizes the starving artist um, in this book. Mm, I, I, yeah. I, I felt that impression mm-hmm. often when hearing about these <laughs> different artists. And I feel like that sentiment has really has changed in the last, you know, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> 70 <laughs> years since <laughs> they were really <laughs> pushing to become abstract artists and accepted for that it often in this book it was like oh they were happier when they had nothing and like maybe they were but also it seems it seems i don't know it's interesting i i feel like that's changed yeah yeah well you know and i think lee krasner would argue that point Mm -hmm. you asked her what her better days were at spring it wasn't the days that she was freezing her ass off and couldn't work because she didn't have any place to work because they had to heat one room in the house. Yeah. Because they couldn't afford coal. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have hot water. Like, I'll tell you this right now. She was much happier when it was warm and they had hot water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they had food on the table. Like, you know, they said that, I think, to kind of get through it. Yeah. Because it, it was what it was when they first got there. And I think, you know... The time that they lived in shortly after the depression that, you know, they were all finding studios and stuff. It was like $18 for a studio for a month, you know, and they would live in it. Yeah. Or they would find some derelict building and talk some guy into letting them rent a space out of it. And they would build an apartment in the middle of it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, the dollar went further. It did. So I it think did. it was very different in that time, in that respect of like the jump from having nothing to having something wasn't as hard to do. Uh, you could get by. You know, there were people that had enough around them that they, you know, they would invite them to dinner. They would, mm-hmm. you know, they always had a meal. Somehow they always had a meal. Whatever it looked like, they had a meal. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's different. It's different. One thing I am really envious of them is uh well first off first off if you are like i want to read this book it's nine straight women but also i don't have time to read 900 and or a thousand eight hundred pages um there's this talk that the author <laughs> did in at the whitney that i i'm gonna link here in the chat and i'll put it in the show notes for the podcast um it's Ooh. an hour long the first eight minutes are just noise so skip ahead but this this talk that the author does it's very good. It gives you kind of a rough outline of what she talks about in the book and she answers some questions. So you should go look at that. Okay. <laughs> that said, there is a um there is a point in this book where they I think this this place is almost a character in itself, which is the club. It was this 
meeting that happened every Friday night that all these visual artists kind of created. And then, you know, it became like a famous like click sort of thing to go to. And I'm like, I love the idea of meeting up with your artist friends to argue about art every Friday night forever. Like, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. And they yes. just like created that. And, you know, it started when they had no money and they were just like, come to my loft. It's warm sure. in this one room. And, <laughs> and it turned into these like amazing artist talks. And, you know, eventually museum curators would come to it and be like they would never miss a single one like always making sure you're there right it kind of feels like what first thursday art walk is like um here in seattle where it's like you see the same people every single time and you get to know them and things like that but it's it's very cool and like the artist for artist's sake sort of feeling with me is like i want i want that how do i make that happen <laughs> i don't know right yeah i think you know that's part of what I've gotten from Twitch mm -hmm. is I've been able to kind of create a community that's connected through the internet of, yeah. of artists. And we have those talks, you know, um, whenever we get the opportunity to do it, we try to make an effort to connect with each other and stuff, but yeah, it's so important. Cause I think, you know, like they talk about, it's a, it's a very isolated existence as an artist um innately just because of you're you're trying to strip away any kind of influence from around the work that you create to yeah. some extent um and in order to do that you're very apart from people and it's tough sometimes but to have people that are kind of in that same space that are going to come in and be like they're not going to bring anything to it because they understand the concept and they just want to talk about technique and what's moving them and it's engaging you know it's, it's the, engaging yeah. the stuff that pieces are made of you know um it's so good yeah mm -hmm. yeah i i don't know if it's easier or harder to make a a group like that and i, I guess you have to figure out what you want in a sort of group like that i I've gotten a question like this before for the podcast being like, how do I start an art critique group? Or how do I start something like that? Mm. And I think, mm. you know, the, uh, it's tough. It's, it's tough. You have to find people who are dedicated and have, you know, the ambitions that you do that really match. And it's not for everyone. Like not every group will be for everyone. It's interesting. I, sure. I had a, a book club, an art book club, actually, um, four or five years ago and we would meet every month and this was not on stream or anything. It was just with a couple of friends. And I feel like that's the closest I've ever been able to get any sort of art critique on my own work in the way that's okay. as casual as the club was for these artists. Right. Sure. And sure. that, you know, eventually disintegrated because you go throughout your separate places in life and it's a, uh, anyways, it was, it was nice, but it was very lucky to be able to even have created it. Um, I think you have to be in the right place at the right time. And being in New York probably helps. Just, <laughs> it's it's good. And I think that's one of the major themes in this book is that they were able to be these great artists and create these things and have these opportunities because they were in New York City at this time. There's a point where, um, I forgot which of the artists, but she moves to a different city and just kind of becomes stifled in her work. She's unable to show things as well. Oh, did I lose you? You're talking, but I don't I'm hear still you. here. Okay, there you go. I'm here. Okay, good. <laughs> and and um, and then she comes back to the city, and 
you know, kicks off her work again. She gets a solo show or something like that. It's the being in the city right then during the 1950s to 60s was mm-hmm. really important to be a successful artist. I don't think you need that now. Oh, anymore. sure. Um, but I'm also not in New York City, so maybe not. I don't know. Like, whenever people are like, New York's the epicenter of the art world, I'm like, I don't know if it is. I think the internet is now, but... <laughs> mm, it's one of them. I would argue that Brooklyn might be one of those places still. Um, that group kind of moved to the Brooklyn area. Yeah, And true. so... Um, I see a lot of people come out of there, but yeah, I would argue Seattle is one of those places as well. You know, I think there's a lot of artist community out in Seattle. There's a lot there. Uh, California, Seattle. Rick says York, density is what I you think. need. And I think that is key. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause we are connected. It's so connected now. I think it's, it's definitely spread that out a lot farther more places like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. what was your uh, favorite part of the book so far oh wow um well i think you know like i had said earlier i think that my viewpoint of um jackson pollock has kind mm-hmm. of softened over reading the book yeah um uh you know we're all human i think that's one of the things that I, I definitely took away from it that, um, you know, <laughs> like I said, you know, the problems that they had then are still the same problems that we're having now a lot of times, which is sad, but y- you just see that as humans, that's, that's how we interact with each other. We tend to get tribalistic. We can, we tend to, you know, fear the things we don't understand mm-hmm. and, we're all still trying to figure out how to navigate that, make that safer for everybody. Give everybody's semi well intentioned in what they they act upon, but sometimes it becomes very um, gets weaponized, mm-hmm. and so um, it creates uh, just you know rifts and and that kind of thing. But um, I think the biggest thing is just to literally sit there and watch art become a commodity in a matter of you know 25 or 30 years you know with this group um even though they didn't want it to again we come back to that starving artist comment yeah. and they all preach starving artists they they busted their asses try to get those museum shows to get those gallery shows and to sell pieces because they still had to eat just like everybody else you and know? they weren't all starving i believe uh, it was elaine who was actually independently wealthy um or like had mm-hmm. wealth throughout her family a few of them yeah um yeah but it Helen is, was yeah. independently wealthy mm-hmm. um joan was wealthy as well mm-hmm. i mean her dad was you know well off in chicago um that's kind of the thing i think lee was the only one that wasn't like super debutante but like out of the five of them i think four of them came from upper class they had all 
kind of turned their back on what they had grown up with and what were they were told socially they were supposed to do and just kind of did their own thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. It's fun. My uh, yeah. my favorite part of this book um, came towards the latter half uh, that talks about the friendship between uh, Frank O'Hara and Grace Hardigan. Um, Frank O'Hara, the mm. writer, the great American writer, and mm. Grace were like best friends. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think at one point it says in the book they were like soulmates, except that Franklin's mm-hmm. extremely gay. And yeah, I just, I'm like, this whole, like, I would read a whole, I would watch a whole movie about their friendship and the sh- shenanigans <laughs> they, got, they got through. Right? And it just, it felt very wholesome. And I was like, this is, this is a good thing. I like this. This is just fun. So that felt, that captured me. But there was, right, there right. was another kind of like mini biography that um was in the book and it's about this museum collector um her name's mm-hmm. dorothy canning miller and she was a curator of exhibits at the museum of modern art and she was kind of she was a hired at first to be an assistant to um oh, i forgot his name but to the main curator Far. and yeah Far. and she was told to go like <laughs> you know field requests and give people money when they needed it and they could and she discovered a lot of really great american artists and i'm like i want a book all about her because i've never heard of her before oh, reading this yeah. book and so afterwards after i was like reading this i was looking up books to see if we can find one to put it on the future art book club list and i could only find a single book about her that is 16 pages long and oh, wow uh you know, I might just read that for fun and give you feedback afterwards. But I'm like, I want to know about this lady. She was um, right. a painter and she wanted to be a big painter, but then she realized that wasn't her skill. And she just loved art so much that she was like, I'm going to go put on my fancy clothes because she was well off and she had really nice hair and she was just gorgeous. <laughs> and she would like climb up the rickety stairs in New York and like go find people's studios. <laughs> and she was like, discovering new artists is the best. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to know about her. <laughs> And um, oh, right. I haven't found much yet, but I'm going to keep digging because I, you know there's something about her. She did these exhibits called like uh, 15 Americans, and it was really controversial because European art mm-hmm. was really popular um, during when she was doing exhibits at the MoMA. And this was, was kind of fun. So that's that was my favorite part of the book, learning about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's interesting. I think uh, Gorky's story was very sad. Like, Mm -hmm. that was just... um, And they have the exhibit of his work later on. I think five years after his death. And just to see the reaction of people. That was was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was... It's a good one the most touching part to me so far so there are so many little stories within the bigger overarching stories of these women's life mm-hmm. and i do appreciate how this book was written it feels when you read it you're like you kind of forget sometimes that you're reading a biography because it's becomes more novelized here and there as um the author mary gabriel pulls in quotes from these people's like private journals and letters and things like that and you're like oh it feels mm-hmm. like I'm reading really good narrative arc um, 
So, mm. like, how this book is written, it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what was, in, like, most engaging to me. Like, you know, it is, you know, 900 some pages. It's a long book. But it doesn't feel that long. Like, once you get mm -hmm. going into it, and you start to, like, as people start to connect and meet with each other, and you're like, oh, but how did they get here? Because, like, you know the end point of some of these people. And you're like, what happened? Like, I want to know the backstory. And so you, like, kind of hang on the words. Like, okay, tell me stories. Tell me all the stories. <laughs> it's good. Mm -hmm. Do you have any quotes from the book you want to read? Um... Oh, well, I do have one question that I wanted to ask that I thought would be good for us. Let's hear that. To answer. Get back to it here. It's not very far back. I don't think I highlighted it. What in your life first made you aware that there was such a thing as art? Oh, oh, what a great question. What in your life made you aware there was such a thing as art? I don't know if I can go back that far. It feels like I've always known about art. <laughs> um, I feel like I was lucky in my childhood homes that my parents really liked artwork. And even if they had just prints okay. on the wall and things like that, there was always something on the walls. Um, okay. And, but... I don't know. Can you answer this question? Let me think about it some more. Um, I think the first time I was aware of art, there was like a packet they printed out for uh, the kindergartner kids that were like applying to be in kindergarten. Yeah. You had to go through and fill out. And part of it, like you had to color in and we're like, okay, whatever. That was like the first art thing I ever did was color this picture in. And I was like particular about it, like trying to make it right. I don't know why. I don't know what in my brain clicked, but it did. And that is like the first memory that's like etched in my brain at like four that I can think of, you know, art wise. I, I love that. That's super cute. <laughs> took till kindergarten I appreciate it I feel like art as something to do like not not as a profession but as something that you could actually create beyond you know uh, crayons on a on a table at a restaurant or something um <laughs> is I I got to go to one of the great museums in Seattle when I was very young it's the Fry mm. Art Museum and they have a mm. permanent collection that is hung up salon style which means if you're not familiar it's oh, when wow. Um, the wall floor to ceiling is just filled with art all over it, just like stacked together Tetris style. And I remember being there, I must've been like under eight years old or something like that. And just being like, Oh, Oh, this is like a thing you can pursue and look at. Like there's places to go to, to see this stuff. And it's not just like <laughs> the print of Monet I have in my bathroom for some reason. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I think that was, that was a good one. Do you remember when you first like completed art a piece of artwork for the first time? I think I was in third grade. Do you remember what you drew or made? I used to redraw 
Um, I would do Disney stuff. Cute. <laughs> um, and I also did Far Side comics. Of all things, I got a hold of Far Side comics. Wow. And uh, I would redraw them. Like my teacher was so progressive and understanding that I think she realized that I was kind of ADD. Mm-hmm. And if she let me do that, I could pay attention to her teaching as well. And so she would let me draw while I was like, like, like doing classwork and stuff. And there was a day that the principal came in and he was like, looked at it and he laughed because it was like some joke about taking a summer vacation through hell. And it's like this guy (laughs) and his wife driving through hell. It was... (laughs) part of the far side comic and he's like that's really funny but i think we need and he laughed he's like i i think we need to uh focus on our schoolwork he's like let's put that away and i was like okay whatever so i put it away um she never really got on me too much about it so that's pretty great yeah that's kind of where it started was all that i just started drawing pictures one day i i love that that's adorable that's very fun (laughs) Copying, copying comics is like such a essential part of growing up. I think when you want to be an artist, or oh, yes. you don't even know that you want to be an artist yet, it's it's stopped here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first time I completed something, it's because my like childhood best friend or whatever, um, she was like drawing these cute anime girls, and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm jealous and I want to do it. <laughs> so. I basically she like gave me one of her drawings and then I copied her drawing which was like a copy of some sort of like card captor sakura something or another I don't think I still have that but thank you I know it tracks for me (laughs) just you know um and that's the first time I remember intentionally trying to finish something she's like I remember her like sketching something out with pencil and then she like pulls out her pens and she's like I'm inking it and I'm like I don't know what that means but I want to ink something (laughs) (laughs) Uh. oh my gosh Mara if you're out here listening to this thank you for inspiring me to be an artist through spite (laughs) (laughs) oh I have one of those stories too (laughs) wait tell me these are funny okay so there's this kid named Eric Odomende I don't know if Eric is still around he was Venezuelan I don't know if he went back to Venezuela I think his dad was here as an engineer or something and so they they had come over and he couldn't sp- I think he could speak more English than he wanted everybody like all the adults to know <laughs> clever and he had uh like a foreign exchange student that spoke Spanish that would come and help him translate um during class like two or three times a week he would come and help him out uh, with his homework and stuff. Nice. But we got into this competition of making art. And it was like, I have to be Eric. That's all that matters. <laughs> Eric, you're going down. <laughs> so, uh, like, essentially, my art career is owed to Eric spurring me on with spite <laughs> as well. <Yes>. Classic. Classic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. Ah. Do you have any final thoughts about this book? We kind of got off track when it was very good. Oh, I know. Um, hmm. I mean, you had said last book club, your statement that you had made about this book was, 
I read this book and I got angrier at men than I already was, basically. <laughs> it's the truth. I still feel that like, Oh, no. Okay. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've taken from this is where am I creating art from? Hmm. Is it from a reaction of, you know, political reaction? Is it joy what is it and have i distilled it down to the point of what comes from inside of me what i'm experiencing is what i bring to the table as far as artwork is concerned Hmm. people like it because it's my perspective and nobody has that same perspective they don't have that same set of influences I didn't grow up in the same set of influences that Grace Hardigan grew up in. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I I don't know that world. I don't. And so it's like, I I think they realized that they had to have experiences in order to create great things. And they pushed themselves outside of their normal day-to-day comfort which would be like let's hang out in the village and drink coffee and that's it yep they pushed each other to travel in the summertime to to see things to experience things um they were constantly i think the biggest thing as an artist is we all have a voracious appetite for just absorbing the stuff around us that's our, our favorite thing to do. We are ultimately observers of our surroundings and, um, and we're addicted to that. And why, why do things function the way they do? And why do things look the way they do? And, um, we see things where other people don't see because we look so closely. So it's like fostering that environment. Like how have I fostered that? And how have I not fostered that environment and what I've created so far? Um, where can I change? Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway I've got from this book so far. That's a good one. That's, that's much better than mine. (laughs) Mine is like, wow, all these great artists who are ladies, every time something bad happens to them, it's because some guy is jealous of their work or writes a bad review about their work or needs their help on something (laughs) or would rather marry them than let them paint like... (laughs) Every time something like that would happen, I'm just like, what if, what if these ladies just were um, not with these other people? I'm just, I'm just, I'm not saying they would have made more artwork, but. Well, and they essentially weren't like all of them had these open-ended relationships. Like, let's be real. Most of them were polyamorous in a time when polyamory was extremely illegal. Like. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, you married that person. You didn't just hang out with them. You married them. And polygamy was against the law. And it still is. But, um, yeah. Like, I think it's funny to go back to, like, William de Kooning and Elaine. Like, Bill, like, gets upset because she's not the housewife that Lee is. And Lane's like, I wasn't that before you married me. What in the world would ever make you think I'd be that now? You know? The expectations. It's like, uh, <laughs> duh. Obviously. And like, he resented her for it. And it's like, dude, you put yourself in that position. Like, yep. 
happens you a lot. Knew what kind of per- like he loved her for who she was. That's why he married her in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's like you knew what you were getting into. It's why you love me. <laughs> it drives you mad, but you love me for it. This is what we're doing. <laughs> it's it's yep, good. It's exactly. Oh yeah, this book is this book is excellent. If you want to read about some drama about people who, um. You know, there's no consequences about gossiping about them because it's just <laughs> it already happened. Fiercely strong woman, seventy fiercely years ago, strong, fiercely strong. Um, God. you should read this book. It's very fun. You don't have to have a huge art history knowledge of it to understand right. it. You don't even have to be a painter to understand it. It's definitely like a snapshot of like what it's like during that time in that one place, right? Sure. Um. It's it's fun. If you like, I feel like it leans more towards historical fiction than biography in the way that it's written. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could manage nine hundred pages. It goes by fast, and also I feel like this is one of those books where you can read it, you can put it down, you can come back to it. It's like you're not gonna, you don't have to finish it all in one go. Um, right. And it, it it's a each it section by. is like each section is about one of the people. And usually those sections aren't more than maybe a hundred pages. And there's at a time. pictures. And then they've got other stuff interspersed. Yeah. So. There's there's like credits at the end and stuff like that, which I might use to look up okay. about um about my new friend Dorothy Miller, <laughs> who I want to know more about. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Any last words? How would you rate this book out of out of five? Oh, this is a te- this is a five. This is easily a five. Nice. I'm giving this a four because it kept I oh. started like losing interest every once in a while, and I had to like keep okay. refocusing myself. But I also don't love biographies, so that's just personally to me it was a four. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'm a nerd, so I like all the little minutia. <laughs> this I'm is like, what makes oh, you perfect for book. That's book. why. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you ready for the next book? Sure, let's go for it. Excellent. So the next book is a fun one. And we're actually going to push book club out a week next month. It'll be April 16th. So third Sunday instead of second. Um, But we're going to read Atomic Habits by James Clear. I wanted to read a book that was very different than this time. We're going to read a book that doesn't focus on art. But, you know, I feel like habits are a huge part of art practice. And I think it would be good. Mm. So we're going to read this one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I got a good question. But yes, yeah, so here's the book. It is, um, I'm going to tell you how many pages it is. Da, 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 da. Wow, it has so many notes. Okay, so this book is like 250 pages. So worry not. You can fly, fly through this. And it's a very popular book. It has one of those stickers on the front that says over 2 million copies sold. So you can get it from the library. No problem. <laughs> right. Um, Easily. Yeah. So you'll have five weeks to read this. Um, but before we go, Badger asked a question, and I think this is a good one. Yeah. Um, Badger says, before you finish, can you give us some antidotal experiences you've had with regards specifically to being women trying to make art? Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. Times where being a feminine artist has either hindered me or helped me. Let me think about this. It's a good question. Well, for me, mm-hmm. I think it's that we still fight against this concept of women as eye candy. Um, 
and that being a lever to advance or regress your progress as an artist and your value as an artist mm-hmm. um, of how marketable, quote unquote, are you as a person visually? Um, I think that that uh, makes a difference still today. Um, I think, again, that's just that's human nature, unfortunately. That's it's just our lizard brains being our lizard brains. So, yeah, I've uh, I've had um, times when I've like gone to a teacher and asked for, you know, criticism or help or just any sort of learning about my artwork and have been um, dismissed. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, but because for some reason, Mm. and I had to be like really tenacious about being like, no, I'm serious. And I would really like, you know, assistance about something. And this is from um, any gendered of teachers. And whereas I've seen, Mm. you know, maybe other people in my class who happen to be masculine, who gotten that help a lot easier have been getting like more comments easier from teachers I I feel like when I was a student I ran into this more where it was like I was getting um fewer assistants just voluntarily from the teachers and things like that um but I've never had like one big moment where I've been like wish I was a man mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know well, and I think gallery representation now is still largely male that's a big thing you yeah know, I think that's that's something that I know is starting to shift a little bit. We'll see how far it goes. We are definitely seeing more conscious effort into shifting it, but it's not shifted yet. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it still takes, I mean, men still get more revenue from auctions than women do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, as artists. So I think until that changes, think it's going to be hard pressed for us to change the gallery system in general oh i thought of another way um this one has to do with twitch when being a woman Mm. artist on Uh. twitch is very different than being a man (laughs) artist on twitch (laughs) i know what's coming i know what's coming oh my gosh (laughs) the amount of times here on this platform that we're currently all hanging out on where i'll be like painting like doing something like the thing behind me and someone comes over and is just like hey beautiful and i'm like do you like the paintings and they're like Hey, gorgeous. And I'm like, get out. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I've had people come in and, and basically boss me around and tell me what to do on my stream. Yes. Yes. And, and I politely ban them and tell them to go jump off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I'm, I'm not that kind of woman. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Uh-huh. Grace Hardigan and I are uh, soulmates in that respect. <laughs> One time I had this guy who I like met once as a teenager. He sent me a message at three in the morning, which is always a good time. I'm like, I <laughs> hate this. And he's like, you know, I could like show your work on my Facebook page. You know, if you ever wanted to like chat sometime, like I, I could give you like good exposure. And I'm like, you sending this to me at three in the morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no. Yikes. <laughs> Um, love those love those that's not a good good look guys it's not not a good look look. just go to bed (laughs) yeah don't press send (laughs) keep it in the drafts yeah it's gonna be great anyways yeah yeah. so that's my book club get it out get it out by all means but you don't have to send that message Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I wish all messages, like messaging systems on Twitch had a uh, put to drafts instead of send, just like right next to it. Just like, <laughs> just, just putting that in drafts. Are you really, really sure <laughs> you, you want to send, send this? this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, friends, foes, thanks for coming to Art Book Club. Yes. I'm Stephanie. You can find me at stephaniescott.art over on Instagram, where you can follow me here. Um, my guest today is Visual Nomad. Jen, you can find her at Visual Nomad over on the gram also. Um, there's an underscore on, after uh, your name right double there. Underscore. Double yes. underscore. Double right. underscore. Double underscore. Yeah. 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 We'll be back uh, for Book Club on April 16th. So you have an extra week to read Atomic Habits. And you can come and ask questions and stuff. Um, otherwise, Brushwick Podcast has an update every Tuesday. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, friends. <laughs> Bye.